The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle, from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of uh, Some Over the Monster podcast. Uh, we're going to be with you uh, pretty much every day during this playoff run, however long it lasts. And uh, as you know, when you listen to yesterday's show, uh, the Red Sox uh, won the wild card game against the Yankees 6-2. to two. Uh, It was myself, Keaton, and Brian for that one. And we're going to spare you, Brian, on this one, who doesn't even know how long these series are. And uh, it's myself, <laughs> Keaton, and Bob today for this one to talk about uh, the ALDS against the Rays. Uh, what's going on, guys? How are you? Great. You killed it with that, Doing great. that first one. Enthusiasm. Yeah, it's definitely the first time I've done that. Um, yeah. Fake news for anybody who says that <clears throat> took a couple of tries for that to happen. Um <laughs> But yeah, like I said, obviously we're previewing the ALDS. What else are we going to do for our podcast today? That would be weird if we talked about anything else. Um, but actually, we'll start with something else. Uh, just briefly, we can talk about uh, Tuesday's game. If uh, Bob has anything to add, like I said, Keaton and I were on the show yesterday. But uh, Bob, if you had anything you wanted to say about the yeah. game, anything that stood out, any lasting impressions? Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Yeah. Um... I it was all me. Yeah, a few thoughts. I think first of all, <clears throat> crowd really seemed like it was in it right away. I mean, just from the first pitch, felt it was electric. I feel like that was a very like first big game post pandemic crowd. You know, that and and just getting ahead early made such a difference. Um, you know, where once they got ahead, I feel like the crowd was up for nine innings. Um, First inning, Stanton standing at home plate in the first inning of a one-game must-win. Uh, hits a ball that's in the air for an hour, and he's standing on first. And I just thought that set a terrible tone for them. I mean, beyond John Sterling's call, which is the greatest ask, thing heard that. I've yeah. heard maybe Brilliant. ever in a broadcast booth. <laughs> but... You know, he's on first right away, and that just that kind of set the tone. And then Bogarts gets the hit, and they're off and running. Um, I thought when I saw the lineup, I wondered whether Dahlbeck was going to get the start there. They sat him last time against Cole, and they probably didn't want to take two heavy hitters out of the lineup with Martinez out and Dahlbeck too. I wondered if they might give Shaw the start, and Dahlbeck just couldn't catch up to a right-handed fastball all day. So, um I don't know. Be interesting to see what they do going forward with them. But 
Uh, loved Schwarber hitting leadoff. I thought it was, you know, real sexy lineups came out when Schwarber and Rizzo were leading off. But uh, just Schwarber's OBP, 371, I totally get it. Uh, the pitch that he hit out above the belt, you know, just a pitch that he can get to um, was just such a, a huge part in the game. Uh, and I thought the way they lined the bullpen up was interesting. I know we're going to talk about that later, but seeing how come in there in the seventh to get the, some big outs there when it was still a three-run game uh, and then going Whitlock in the ninth, I, I don't have really any feel for what the pecking order is right now. I'm going to take my best guess later, but... Uh, thought it was interesting the way they lined that up. Yeah, I wonder how much the score um, influenced any of it. I kind of got the impression that it wasn't, uh, or it didn't influence at all. Um, I'm not sure if Robles would have come in or not um, had they not got those. I'm pretty sure he was warming up to come in for that um, eighth inning, no matter what. But yeah, that was that was interesting. Um, and then as far as the Stanton thing, I mean, that John Sterling call is the greatest thing. I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, and Matty V. <laughs> Matt Vasgersian kind of got caught in it too. And he, he resigned yeah, he from Sunday Night Baseball <laughs> after the game. So uh, oh, I wonder dang. how much that affected it. Yeah, he's no longer, uh, he is no longer doing Sunday Night Baseball as of yesterday was his last game with ESPN. Um, oh. But yeah, just with Stanton, I mean, not to be, not to be the, guy to get on players so not hustling especially somebody on a team that i don't care about but he did it again in that 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 relay play it kind of got yeah. lost and everything else but he he was at that was a single <laughs> he was at first because again he just yeah. like watched it fly off the bat he went to second uh, he got on the, second. the throw home yeah he got the second <laughs> on the throw and that i mean it's just yeah. it's pretty unbelievable um and it's not as though the yankees can really put the game on stanton because um no. He was the only guy who really hit, other than the home run from Rizzo, which wasn't really an impressive home run. But um, I think you're right. I mean, it did kind of set the tone on both sides in the first inning. Um, yeah, so that was a wild card game. We don't have to spend too much more time on that, as much as I like talking about a win over the Yankees. Um, the the next, the next task is clear, and the Red Sox have a extremely difficult matchup, obviously, against the Rays. The Rays won 100 games. Uh, which is impressive enough. They did so in a division that had four, uh, three other 90-game winners. Also had the Orioles, which certainly helps. But um, obviously the Rays are extremely talented, and they're a c- kind of a weird team too. But uh, before we get to the Rays, we should talk a little bit about the Red Sox are planning on doing uh, in the series. And uh, Wednesday afternoon, they announced their starting pitching plans, at least for the first few games. Um the only real question was who's going to start game one. They're going with Eduardo Rodriguez game one. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Keaton, um, good with Eddie. Would you have gone with sale on short rest? Would you have gone Pavetta instead? Or how are you, how are you thinking about that one? I like it. It's the right call. Um, I don't think sale on short rest would have been a great idea. Um, if you throw him in game two, then you still have him available for game five if you need it. Uh, and over the past two months, Eduardo Rodriguez has really kind of been on fire. Like we heard all season on the broadcast with Eck talking about how uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was probably the most unlucky pitcher in the league and was kind of pitching better than his overall stat line showed. And over the last two months, it's really kind of corrected itself. He's got a 3.26 ERA over the last 60 days uh, and looking a lot more like himself and kind of seems like the, the law of averages have caught up. So if it's not going to be Sale or Evaldi, then Eduardo Rodriguez is, I think, no doubt your your third best option here for this game. 
Yeah, what yeah, about you, Bob? I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I, I wasn't expecting Sale, especially, um, you know, they had mentioned a couple times that he wasn't going to be someone they were going to throw on their side day the way that he tends to do with a lot of his starters. And um, once he was left off of the the roster on Tuesday, it just didn't give me any reason to think that they were going to – I think they're – I'm not saying overly careful, but they want to give him the four days rest coming off. I think uh, – of Tommy Chon, I think he's the only guy that they – really want to be extra careful with. So I didn't think it was going to be him um, to echo what, what Keaton said, um, you know, down the stretch, I think Eddie deserved it. I think he pitched better in his last 10 to 12 outings than Pavetta did. Um, you know, a lot of six, seven inning outings in there, had a couple of blowups, but uh, overall I was expecting him to get the ball there, uh, you know, and they, they did bring Eddie and Pavetta in to to get the win and the save in the final game. So, uh, you know, I thought it would be one of the two of them, and I was leaning Eddie, and uh, I I think that's what I wanted to see there. Yeah, I'll, I'll play a little devil's advocate. Um, I mean, I'll say up front, I don't know that I totally believe it. I think Rodriguez is probably the right move, but I think there's an argument um, for Pavetta. I'm, I'm with I'm with you guys on sale. I'd, it probably wasn't going to happen on short rest, and it's probably an unnecessary risk. I can I can get behind it. Plus, if you start game one, theoretically, you can start two games in a five-game series anyways. Um, but, I mean, I think the argument for Pavetta, or at least my initial thoughts when I first went to Pavetta when I was thinking about this, was um, trying to neutralize Wander Franco and Nelson Cruz to some extent, um, just with a righty. Franco's a switch hitter, but he's been... Um, better against lefties this year and probably the bigger reason for me to go that way is i don't know how many lefties they're going to be carrying in this bullpen i did a mock roster that um we're going to talk about later but i literally only ended up with one uh lefty in the bullpen and then there's rodriguez and sale and you were just talking about how sales probably not going to be available so much in that role so um I think the best argument for going with Pavetta would be to have Rodriguez available, not only in this game, but keep him available for any situation where you might need a lefty. Um, but all that being said, I think I agree that you would go with Rodriguez. I think he's a better starting pitcher for one thing, and that's that's the most important factor. But also, um, there's a chance with a lefty starter that, um, I mean, a righty might sort of neutralize somebody like Franco or Cruz, but with a lefty, you might have them take out either um, Brandon Lau or Austin Meadows or maybe both out of their lineup, um, which is obviously huge, especially if you can get Lau out of the lineup. I don't know how realistic that is, but um, there's at least some possibility of that. So I I think it was probably a difficult call. I can see the case for both sides, but I think at the end of the day, I probably agree with you guys that and Cora, that Rodriguez was the move. To, to your point, I think that they we probably – could see Pavetta out of the bullpen tomorrow with Sale throwing game two and then an off day after that. He would still have uh, two days off after throwing. So you could see an inning or two out of Pavetta to, you know, if they go a right-handed heavy lineup, um, you know, you'd have him and Hauk and Whitlock could all go multiple innings, guys, if Erod does not go too deep into the game. Yeah, I mean, I think in a five-game series, you can get away with only using three starters anyway. So I think they... I think this kind of signals that that's the role that Pavetta is going to be, at least for the series. I think if they move on, they go to a seven game series. You, you'll usually see a fourth starter in there, but I think for this series, I, I'm not, I'm really just expecting Pavetta to just be Tanner Hoke ish, which I think is a 
is probably just a boon in general. Yeah. Um, so what about the big question uh, hanging over this roster? That is uh, JD, JD Martinez. Um, we don't know what's going on with this ankle as we are. Actually, no, I'm skipping something. We'll talk about JD Martinez in a second. Sorry about that. I want to talk about the bullpen first. Uh, good hosting by me. <laughs> um, so where where are we at with the bullpen in terms of who we trust, who we want to see in close games? Um, I guess I think we all, I'm assuming, would agree Whitlock is at the top of that list, right? Nobody's nobody's yep. going another direction there. Yeah, who who do we? Who do you guys have number two? Not for right now. We won't include starters. Um, but who do you? Who would you have number two behind Whitlock? Uh, Keaton. I have Hauk. And then Brazier, Robles, Taylor, Richards, and then Barnes and Adovino at the bottom. Interesting. What are you, Bob? So I broke it up into two, you know, circle of trust and outside of it. I've got six that are in there um, in no particular order. Whitlock, Robles, Hulk, Brazier, Taylor, and Austin Davis. Um, I have... Ottavino, Richards, and Barnes outside of that group. So I kind of have the first six in one group and the other three after that. Um, I don't know. I thought that... (laughs) I know that trusting Robles is um, a shocking thing to say, but it's at, what, 15 scoreless outings in a row when he's throwing 98-99, and he was the closer down the stretch. I mean, they... (laughs) Even though those aren't always the highest leverage outs, they trust him. So, um, you know, I think it'll obviously playoff games are going to be a little bit different. Like you said, a five game series is a little different because you can add Pavetta in there and start Evaldi in game three and only use three starting pitchers. But those are the six names that I have kind of those four righties and those two lefties. And I don't know, I have trouble trusting Ottavino right now. Richards was in that group. Until I just thought he looked awful the last two games with his control and, you know, throwing balls into the ground, uh, yanking curveballs outside and everything else. So and I just I I don't think they trust Barnes right now. I don't think he's been right since he since August, to be honest. I think I agree with your list Um, and I am extremely nervous still anytime, especially Robles and Brazier come into a game. I don't fully trust them, but that's, I mean, at the at this point, I feel like that's more of a me issue than a them issue. Like you said, Robles especially has been getting the job done lately, and Brazier has too. It's kind of a small sample, and I didn't think he looked very good on Tuesday, um, but he did at least, I mean, technically he got the job done, and technically he's the best kind. Um, <laughs> I think I... Don't see the team agreeing with you, Bob, on Ottavino. And on the other side, I don't think they see or they will agree with you on Austin Davis. Um, The Davis one kind of surprises me, but they just haven't used him. It it seems like they haven't really used him in a month. He did pitch the other day, but it was before that. I think he had gone like a couple weeks and and he's pitched like I think he's pitched like two or three times since the middle of September. So it feels like he's fallen out of their circle of trust. Um, I don't really know why, but feels like he has. And then Ottavino, I mean, I'm nervous every time he comes in the game too, but he's still getting important innings. Um, I wonder that him not, I don't even know that he warmed up um, 
on Tuesday. He obviously didn't come into the game. That might speak to them changing their minds, but it just seems like based on usage, I'm not even sure Austin Davis is going to make the roster, and I still feel like Ottavino is an important part of Cora's bullpen, even if I don't agree that he should. Yeah, no, and I mean, just to kind of make the point on Davis is that he, from August 14th on, he only gave up runs in, in two outings, you know, and they brought him in to face some tough lefties in a lot of those spots, and he handled it pretty well. I mean, I think they brought him in with the bases loaded to face Soto uh in that last series um so and i know that that was one of the outings that he didn't do that well but yeah i mean leading in before that last outing he had only given up uh runs in one outing out of the 11 before that so i just i trust him i think you're right i don't think that they do he's probably out of that group but that's just the list that i came up with i don't trust out of you know at all yeah i didn't have god i didn't have davis on my uh on my list at all because I didn't even think he was going to make the roster. So I think, I think I'm an out on Davis. I see. What's weird is I'm like in ish on Davis. I'm still wary of him as a pitcher, but I think he has been pitching well. And when he's gotten the opportunities, like you said, um, that last outing against the Nationals didn't go very well, but that was sort of an anomaly. Um, but it's just weird the usage. So I don't know. He's he's been outstanding against lefties, and. He's the kind of guy that would be like a no-brainer roster and big part of the bullpen without the three-batter rule. I really don't want him facing a righty, though, and that's that's sort of the rub um, with him, and that's why I think I would go with... And I think you had Josh Taylor in your circle of trust group anyways, but um, I would if you had to choose between the two of them, I would go with Taylor just because I'm more confident with him against a righty. Sure. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think that sounds right. And then when you throw in, I mean, especially Nick Pavetta, Nick Pavetta is certainly in that top tier, I would think, right? Or maybe not. Yeah, so he, he was part of that group as well. Yeah. What about you, Keaton? I know you're not as big of a Pavetta guy. I'm not, but as a reliever, yeah. fine. I'm totally down for that. Yeah, I mean, he just has reliever stuff. I mean, I didn't. He's been much better as a starter than I would have imagined, and I think he should get a chance to keep starting moving forward. Um, so I guess he's not one of your top three guys. I think he could be okay with it. But yep. coming into the season, I was expecting him to be a reliever, and I still think that's his best role. I mean, the fastball and then two breaking balls, that's I mean, that's perfect for a reliever. Obviously, his command can come and go, but um, I, I really just think he can thrive in that role. Yep, I agree. Um, Are we worried about the five home runs that uh, Ottavino gave up in September? Yeah, I'm worried about everything with Ottavino. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yep. I, I, I might be more worried about like the walks mess. than the home runs, but yeah, I mean everything is just scary right now with him. Yeah. Um, but I, like I said, I mean, I think they. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but he's just been part of that group all season, and it's one of Cora's things is that when he when he finds a guy he likes, he doesn't give up. Um, sometimes for better, but sometimes for worse. Yep. Um, all right. So I started talking about this before, before I realized that I wasn't supposed to yet. Um, JD Martinez, obviously the big question hanging over the roster. Um, as we are talking here Wednesday night, we don't know what his status is going to be for, um, the series. They'll be announcing their roster. I don't know exactly when the deadline is, but it's sometime Thursday, um, early Thursday. Um, 
But looking at the lineup that they rolled out there for the wild card game, let's assume that JD Martinez can play and he's in the starting lineup. Who's sitting uh, for you guys, Bob? I think if it's a right hander, that for now they're going to sit Dahlbeck because, I, especially if it's a hard throwing right hander, um, I don't think that would be the case in game one uh, facing McClanahan. I think he'll be in there. <clears throat> but, yeah, if Martinez is in and they have a left-handed pitcher, I <laughs> that's where it gets really tough because is it a Verdugo versus Schwarber thing? I mean, they sat Schwarber down the stretch uh, against some lefties in a lot of those cases. Uh, I don't love it. I want to see him out there. Um, but I don't know. Right now, as much as I as I like Dahlbeck uh, and how hot he was in the last two months, he, he didn't look right. Uh, you know, someone messaged me and compared him to, uh, to Kit from a league of their own, swinging at all the high fastballs <laughs> yesterday, which I did not take too kindly to, but, um, you know, it was fair comparison. What are you kid? Yeah. It, I mean, we saw it down the stretch, like both Verdugo and, Schwarber and uh, J.D. Martinez were kind of like in the, like that three-man rotation and Cora was playing uh, the matchups, but then kind of threw it out the window as we went into the last series against Washington and just went for all offense over defense, and it worked. Um, I think Dahlbuck has got to be the guy to sit because I don't think you really want to take um, Verdugo and Schwarber's bats out of lineup right now. And as hot as Bobby Dahlbuck had been uh, coming down uh, the end of the the last couple months there, or in a shorter sample size, more recently he has uh, kind of started reverted back to the means and hasn't been as hot. And it kind of feels like maybe you've ridden that out as long as it could go at this point. And so, if JD Martinez is healthy, you're getting like real at bats from him. Then I think Dalbuck would be the guy to sit, and then in game playing matchups uh, when you need him to like pinch hit versus a particular pitcher. Uh, during the game so would you would you sit Dalvek no matter the handedness of the starter yeah i think i would i think he's got to play against lefties i think so too but i think i don't know i think one of the main concerns i have with this roster maybe not one of the main concerns but a concern that um i feel like hasn't really been mentioned a ton is that they don't really have a right-handed bat on the bench and obviously the playoffs are more for like these specialized roles and i think there is some advantage to having Dahlbeck on the bench that said I, I don't think i could do it against a lefty um i would have a really hard time doing it but i think i would sit schwarber it gives you the defense and it gives you schwarber on the bench late but i mean i don't feel good about that i wouldn't feel good about sitting for dugo either just because of his i mean he just seems to get those big hits every time and i know that's probably not the smartest way to build a lineup but sometimes i just can't help but give into stuff like that so i i think it's really hard there's not really an answer i feel totally satisfied with but i think i would yeah. i would definitely sit dalvik against the righties and i think i would go schwarber against lefties and you also got to remember with the way the Rays run things is they're only going to use a starter in a lot of games for three or four innings. They're going to get yeah, guys out point. at the first sign of trouble. And that could mean if you got Schwarber on the bench, you can get him in 
by the end of the second time through the lineup and he only misses out on one at bat and he's in in the fourth or fifth inning or something. So the lineups in these games are going to look totally different in the second half than they are in the first. You know, Sitting a guy doesn't mean he's going to sit maybe even the majority of the game. No, that's that's a good point. I hadn't really uh I hadn't really thought about that, but I mean I think that's that's true in most playoff games and then I mean against the Rays obviously it's just extra true. Um so what about a different scenario for Martinez? I think there's a chance that he can't really move but maybe can still swing um or they definitely i they might not want him on his feet for the whole game but he might be able to take one at bat um late in the game and they can have that option on the bench is that worth a roster spot over one of the other potential bench spots or over having an extra pitcher in the lineup would you carry jd martinez if you were only getting one at bat a game um but one that you could pick late in the game be taking uh, the... oh sorry Bob. I think it depends on the quality of the at bat. I mean, if they, I mean, I guess if, if they're they're feeling, if he can be a JD to, Martinez, but only for one at bat, whatever you think JD Martinez was at the end of the season yeah. before the injury, yeah, that probably would be worth it. Because um, being able to pinch hit JD Martinez, a hitter of JD Martinez caliber in a big spot late in the playoff game, uh, is a luxury that not a lot of teams have. Um, <clears throat> so that I think that would be a pretty serious weapon for Cora as he's manipulating things within the, the the scope of the game and and kind of planning that out. I'm curious. That uh, well, no, that's actually kind of another topic. I'll just I'll wait on that. <laughs> what about you, Bob? If it's like that for the whole series, then I wouldn't do it. If you're telling me, you know, they think he can be back by. Sunday, right? And he's got to do that in game one or two, you know, pull a Kirk Gibson. But I, I mean, to do that, you'd have to, if he singles, you got to have someone that is pinch running for him as well. And yeah, that late definitely. in the game, you're burning two spots that I think is really valuable. So unless they feel confident that he can get back later in the series, I'd have trouble keeping him on, especially a series that's this short. Yeah, I think. I think that's the way I lean to, and it's for the same reason. I don't know. It's it's tough, but I that idea of basically having to use two uh, two bench spots for one move every time, or you hope every time, because obviously you're hoping he gets on base. Um, that is a little daunting. I think the other thing is, I mean, we're gonna get into the bench, like specific bench pieces in a second, and we may have different options, but I mean, the last guys on the bench are going to be some combination of Connor Wong, Jonathan Arauz and Jaron Duran. And to put my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, but Martinez can be added on the roster. It just means whoever's taken off can't be used in the next series. Um, I mean, I would just be like, if he can come back, if you think maybe he can come back on Sunday, I wouldn't mind risking not being able to use like Connor Wong or whatever in the next series. Um, would be another part of my consideration. So I think it would be tempting, but I would probably go. I would probably agree with Bob and avoid it. Yeah, you'd, um, you're thinking like you know, fake an injury for uh, <laughs> yeah, Connor Wong, fake an injury, and then, and then the go ALCS and yeah, well, you're yeah. not going to use him there anyways. Right. He, He'll he'll be in the dugout. I mean, Edward Pizarro was there the other day. So, yeah. 
teams have done worse, including the Red Sox. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the roster. Um, I wrote something uh, at Over the Monster about uh, with the roster prediction slash as uh, sort of half what I think they'll do, half what I would do. Um, most of this is obviously pretty straightforward. I think the big questions, as one would imagine, are the last few roster spots. Um, so I had Arauz off. This is with JD Martinez on there. Um, I had Arauz off, so I had Wong and Duran on the bench, and I carried eight relievers instead of nine. Um, Bob, would that be the way you go, or do you have any changes that you would make to that? Well, I'm not going to try to make Austin Davis happen anymore. So, um, <laughs> well, no, I, I think that is one of that was one of the last decisions I made was basically um, Wong or Duran versus Davis or Darwin's and Hernandez. Yeah, or or Salamora. Um, it, you know, it, it's yeah, I don't really want any part of Salamora. Okay, uh, but you know, I I think those are a few names that, and yeah, I, I wouldn't. I didn't want Darwin's in on yesterday. I don't want him on tomorrow. I don't want seven walks per nine just in the playoffs. I, I, I just am not, I'm not really high on him in general right now. Um, are they sending Connor Wong to the Arizona fall league? I thought I saw that. Today they are. I thought Strange, that was weird but because can, he was I on mean, the team yesterday. Can, yeah. So he can just go after the playoffs. I was thinking that too, but I'm pretty sure, um, like okay. I was like, are they like telestrating their move that he's not going to be on the roster? But I, I'm pretty sure he can still be on the roster, and then whenever they're eliminated or he's not on the roster anymore, he can just go. Sure. Down there. Yeah. All right. So I just wanted to check that because I I didn't know if he was heading out, you know, today. Um. Yeah. I would probably. I I get the keeping three catchers. I probably would keep two and add another reliever. Um. But I think you're very close with this right here and if jd is off then um what are the options there our ooze and is there another hitter that i'm forgetting i mean wong i guess if you were right rethinking it, the third the third catcher sure so wong or a 13th maybe frenchy cordera if you want to get real weird with it but i don't think anyone wants to do <laughs> that no so i was Jenny kind of Santana. separating the two so wong or a 13th pitcher and then if um martinez can't make it then i still think duran would be on um to run and i would add probably our is the only name i can think of yeah what about you keaton yeah duran there is the name that's a no doubter for me he's definitely there uh because of that late inning speed um I actually don't get the three catcher thing unless you feel like in a pinch you could throw Wong out at second or something like that. I don't in such a short series. I just I don't get the point of three catchers. The logic is their catchers, um, and I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but this is logic that their catchers aren't good hitters. So you can feel more. I mean, you know, managers are like allergic to pinch hitting for their catcher early in a game if they don't have another backup option there. So it's so Cora can feel good about pinch hitting for Vasquez or Pulecki in like the fifth inning or something if Big Spot comes in. Is Wong's basically just there to make Cora feel okay? I think. Yeah, that's what I I just I don't understand that piece of it. So of those three names, Duran for sure, Arauz, and then I guess if. Um, I agree with the, the starters in the bullpen, though, that you had. I liked that makeup. So throwing Wong in there, uh, or basically like all three of those names, if J.D. can't go, 
but Wong would be third on that list for me. The thing that makes me nervous about my own decisions is that there's only one lefty. So my only lefty in the bullpen is Josh Taylor. Um, I think I am more willing to consider Darwin's and Hernandez than you guys. I think um, just in comparison to Davis, I think a, his ability to miss bats, I think could play especially well against a team like the Rays who strike out a lot. And I also trust him more against righties than I do Austin Davis. Maybe that's foolish because Darwin's and Hernandez can, um, he can walk anybody, but I, I don't think anybody can, or I think it's harder for anybody to make hard contact off him. And I think it, righties can make hard contact off Davis. But that being said, I don't, I certainly don't think it's a blowout or anything. And I um, could pretty easily be persuaded to go Davis instead. But just generally speaking, I mean, is, would it be, would you be super concerned about only having that one lefty there? I wouldn't just because I think the other options there aren't great. Like, I mean, so uh, probably my turn to talk about Derwinson now. Uh, <laughs> like when he's going right, he's like Josh Hader esque, no exaggeration. But he's so wildly inconsistent. I just don't trust that volatility in a playoff series because more likely than not, you're going to have to turn to him in a high leverage situation because every inning and every pitch in the playoffs is high leverage. And if it's basically a 50-50 shot, whether he can get through an inning in nine pitches or 30 with eight walks, <laughs> it, I just, I, I don't think I want to roll that dice. It's fair. It's fair. What, do you, what about you, Bob? Are you, are you worried about only having one lefty? So first of all, I would never ever bring him in with runners on base because it, it's <laughs> yeah. basically just, it, it's a bunch of walks and strikeouts. So hopefully it's more strikeouts than walks over yeah. the course of the inning with him. But I might have seen this wrong, but I think that he was throwing in like the lower 90s um, in his last outing or two. Ooh, and that's when I was out on him because I didn't think that the velocity combined with the uh, control issues, it's just a bad combination for me. So that's when I was out on him. I'm not out on him, you know, long term, but I just I hated what You're I right. saw down the stretch after he came his, back. It was only his last. Or I guess it was a few his last. His last start was way down. I did not notice that, but yeah, his average fastball was like below 94, which is yeah, not that great. worried me. Yeah, that I think is enough to convince me <laughs> that I would go with Davis. <laughs> but I mean, would you, so you, I mean, you said, right, that you would probably add another reliever to this. Yeah, and that's the name I'm going with. Yeah, go with no, I mean, I think that makes sense, especially a team like the Rays. I mean, they have, they have all these righties and lefties and i mean i said earlier that maybe you could get lao on the bench but that just means that you have to face him later in the game obviously um and the red sox right-handed relievers i mean not a lot of them are the kind of guys whitlock is a guy that i could be very confident against lefties because of his changeup. but everybody else um all the other righties are sort of their prototypical fastball slider kind of guys or fastball curveball where they're worse against lefties so uh that's it's it's a little concerning to me um all right we kind of already talked about this so let's move over to the Rays roster uh talk about that a little bit before we close this one out um let's let's start with their rotation because i think the Rays, i mean the Rays rotation just doesn't look like we've been used to in recent years and um obviously they kind of 
bring guys in and out, but this year especially seems strange, and they have a couple of rookies at the top, uh, McClanahan and Baz. I don't know what their plan is for Game 3. Um, who the hell knows with them? But, I mean, you, do you guys want to talk a little bit about these two guys or maybe which one or who, if it's another guy, scares you the most in this sort of new look Tampa rotation? I believe Drew Rasmussen is going Game 3. Did they announce that? He scares me. I thought that they had. I know. See, that's the weird thing. Like, So their they're top three, McClanahan, Baz, and Rasmussen, I'm not a real big fan of all three, and the only reason I'm afraid of Rasmussen is because he seems to just own the Red Sox 4-0 in the regular season. I was at one of those delightful starts in person, and I just don't understand it because his stuff doesn't seem like it's that overwhelming. Um, He doesn't rack up a lot of strikeouts, but he just he whatever it is, he just keeps the Red Sox completely off balance, and he's one of those guys that just kind of throws that soft junk that ties these hitters in knots, so I don't feel great about that. Uh, Shane Baz throws 100 miles an hour and racks up strikeouts at an absurd level and pretty much the same in McClanahan. So I don't feel really great about either of those two either. So <laughs> I don't know if I can pinpoint one of those three that I think I'm That's the most fair. feared of, but that three-headed monster just maybe specifically for this Red Sox team is uh, not fun. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of the the biggest thing for me is that these are everyone that you just mentioned – is a rookie or has like a few innings of major league experience coming into this year in their rotation. It's crazy that they're that they won a hundred games and that here they come with a bunch of rookies and inexperienced pitchers playoff wise. And I think that that's, we don't know how any of these pitchers are going to handle a playoff atmosphere. We, we know with McClanahan, right? Because he came in to throw a couple of innings. Um, I think he made his debut in the playoffs last year. But that was in a relief role, maybe an inning at a time. You know, we don't know how he can handle a start in the playoffs. So that's a big thing for me is that, yeah, I think the the Rasmussen types and the Jordan Montgomery types keep them off balance. And they almost a lot of days would rather see a Garrett Cole, you know, like or someone yeah. that, that throws harder. Um, but then you got McClanahan and Baz who are on the opposite end of the spectrum with throwing close to 100 and have both been electric. So. I don't know what we're going to see. Uh, as long as I don't have to watch Yarbrough take an hour and a half between pitches. <laughs> um, but they're going to go to Patino, too. I mean, he's been – he got a couple of starts, I think, and he was going two or three innings in relief. You know, I think he might be possibly like a tandem type of guy with Baz or someone like that. Um, I don't know. It, it's an area that is just – I haven't seen enough of these pitchers. Um you know, they, historically, I'm used to, if we were talking about Glass now and Snell, <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot different this year, even though the Rays are going to Ray. Um, it's it's a, a different approach that they're taking, even with the rotation. They're just going to throw a ton of arms at you that all throw mostly 98 and try to hit it. I mean, I do weirdly feel better about um, the Red Sox against these hard throwers and Baz is a guy that I mean he terrifies me just in general and I'm I'm really bummed out that he's on the raise and he's I mean he will be at least for a few years until he hits arm at least but um I mean it's it's not ideal that he's there but this is the kind Yarborough honestly is the guy that would probably scare the, me the most just because the Red Sox can't hit lefties that throw junk they right. we saw it the whole week leading up so um if I I, I feel like the raise should add some wrinkles here and 
give Yarborough and Fleming some innings, but um, I don't think they will. But yeah, I mean, Baz, Baz definitely scares me. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's this, I, I can't figure out this Red Sox lineup. I don't know. Um, an over the monster tradition that goes back before me. Um, it's called Hamill's harangue from way back in the day. The Red Sox would always crush the pitcher like Cole Hamels and then Aaron Harang would come up and they'd get dominated and it seems like they're back in that mold so maybe the guys that we fear the most are the ones that they'll be able to hit um so the bullpen Rays bullpen is weird um they're obviously very good because they're the Rays bullpen and the Rays bullpen is obviously very good or always very good um they mix and match in a way that we don't really think about mixing and matching. They don't have a bunch of righties and lefties. Um, they have, I mean, I'm assuming Yarborough and Fleming are probably really the only lefties we're going to see in their bullpen, unless I'm missing somebody. But I mean, I think that's really it. They have a lot of righties, but they have a lot of righties who do different things and throw, um, throw from different arm angles. And it just seems like that's, that's the sort of thing that's going to mess with this Red Sox team. And I don't know, I guess I don't really have a question other than uh, how scared should I be (laughs) of this bullpen? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is if one of their starters runs into trouble and needs to get yanked after two innings or three innings, then they can throw four or five of these guys at you and just dominate from that perspective uh, with a guy like, Colin McHugh or, or uh, you know, some of the other guys that are in there. Old friend Chris Mazza. How about that? Hey, Colin McHugh's a Red Sox <clears throat> legend, too. Yeah, that's true. Great point. Too bad there's, uh, you know, Jalen Beeks is on the IR. They could, you know, throw a little former Red Sox party over there. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing is, like, their bullpen is specifically built for that and, to, like, to take on bullpen days and give starters days off and all that um and that becomes i think even more dangerous in the playoffs because then you don't have to rely on your starters and you can be quick with hooks uh, and still be ready to go the next day and not feel like you've taken much of a hit in terms of your planning for an entire series so yeah it's just just another piece to not feel great about and when you're playing the race we love it these eres are ridiculous. Uh, you go down the line. I mean, Colin McHugh, one fifty-five. Andrew Kittredge, this year. right? Yep. Where where is that coming from? Thirty-four <laughs> years old. Andrew Kittredge, one eighty-eight. Um, Fire Eisen, two point four five. Matt Whistler, two point one five. JT Chargois, one point nine zero. Dietrich Ends, two point eight two. Um, you know, Fleming's is a little higher. Fairbanks, we. Have seen what he can do. He ended up at three fifty nine, but across the board, and I, you know, if you lined up any of those guys before the season, before they were on Tampa, we wouldn't be talking about eighty percent of them. So they they find a way, and um, I don't know. I think they have the the clear advantage in that area against the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I would say that's definitely the biggest. They have the advantage. I mean, that's the biggest advantage I think either team would have over the other one in this this series. I mean, it's just night and day. Yep. And even with the Red Sox bullpen, I think being better lately, especially the select few who should be getting these innings, I think are maybe a little bit better than 
a lot of people probably myself included give it credit for but hey it's still it's not in the same stratosphere as the rays and um i mean sort of along those same lines the rays also mix and match very well with their lineup and they have all these platoons and kevin cash i think is just awesome i mean i hate to say good things about the rays but i think he's just (laughs) i i think he's just so good at getting i mean this roster is just a constant churn and he's so good at managing the personalities and getting everybody the right matchups and all that sort of thing except maybe blake snell but um are we worried about the cash versus cora matchup or do you think cora can hold his own there I think Cora can hold his own. I don't think it's a huge difference because everything that you just highlighted that Kevin Cash does really well, Cora also does really well. It feels more like gambles from Cora's end, given the pieces that he has, but far more often than not, it works out to the Red Sox advantage. And so I feel like it's not a significant gap between the two of them. No, I, I think you can argue that they're two of, if not the two best managers in, in baseball in terms of, and especially with experience and aggressiveness and none of them let the game play them you know neither of them um they're out at the first sign of trouble uh for better or worse whether we'd like to see that when we're at home whether it's blake snell or evaldi yesterday like they're not going to let anything unfold third time through the lineup um you know they they manage like keaton said very similarly i do think the lineup is a little more settled this year than past years i think it's uh kind of the opposite of the of the staff i think you know you have a good feel for who's going to play most of the positions they're not platooning as much as they did in the past but um no i i don't think there's a, a advantage either way at manager personally i think they're both they've both been to the world series and um managed in similar styles and i think it's going to be fascinating to watch them uh you know play chess for five games hopefully i think i i think i mostly agree i would still give the edge to cash and this is probably clouded by the fact that i watch every red sox game and i don't watch every Rays game and when you watch every game um it's the especially bullpen decisions that don't work out that stick in your mind and i just have more of those with core i guess than cash so um that's probably a little unfair on my part but it just um i don't think it's anything that would swing the series i don't think it's any sort of major advantage but i do i i do think that kevin cash um is a big part of this this race team um which again i hate saying anything nice about them um <laughs> All right, let's, well, I feel uh, like to so to, to, to bail you out though in that scenario, I feel like part of that is the tools that they're working with. And if Alex Cora was working with Tampa's bullpen, we probably wouldn't have, wouldn't think he's made many wrong dishes and decisions when turning to specific guys in the bullpen. This is probably as well rounded a bullpen he's had since um, I might even include 2018 in that because during the regular season it was really inconsistent. And obviously, it was lights out in the the playoffs. It wasn't really used in the playoffs. That was the thing about the 2018 bullpen is he just yeah. put them all in the closet except for Kimbrough well, I was, and Barnes. I was specifically thinking of a Joe Kelly uh, and yeah. his transformation uh, once the playoffs flipped. But, yeah, so I feel like that right now is like the most well-rounded bullpen he's had to work with with the Red Sox. And, uh, and it feels like this season we've talked about the bullpen being a strength of the team far more often than uh, something holding them back. Yeah, I I guess that's fair. I don't know, I don't really know the answer, but I or how much it's probably not a ton. But I feel like Cash gets some some credit for the bullpen success too. I think he's 
he's part of the reason why they get put in the best situations. But at the end of the day, I think yeah. uh, both positively and negatively, it's the players that um, win and lose the games more so than the managers, even if it's easier to critique the managers. Um, all right, let's uh, let's do – and Keaton and I did predictions yesterday. I don't remember what Keaton said. Did you? I said Rays in five. I said Red Sox in five. I'm sticking with it. Bob, where are you going? I wanted to one up Brian and say raise an eight. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to like, the, those um, like the nineteen oh three series. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you had to listen yesterday to get that call back. Um yeah, um pains me. I'm saying raise in five. Um the for me it's I think our defense is pretty weak, and I think you know, especially you see the average on balls in play. And if Martinez isn't there, it's kind of a, it's tough. It's going to be tough to balance whether you put a defensive team, a more defensive-minded team, out there, um, or try to get some hitters like Dahlbeck in against right-handed pitchers, um, which is basically what they did yesterday, right? They didn't want to have two big hitters out of the lineup. I think that there's a clear advantage for Tampa with bullpen and defense, and I think that those are both uh, really important. Nothing would shock me. I think it's going to be a great series. I think that there's a ton of momentum. I've really come to enjoy this team, and I think they have a great, great manager, great locker room. Um, a ton of things that work to their advantage, but they got to play the first two in that um, in that dome with. I don't know. I just hate playing in Tampa. I hate watching games down there and the watching worst. the weirdest things happen in the eighth, ninth, tenth innings. Um, you know, I, I'm just dreading some sort of awful ending on a game down there to set the tone for the series. So, uh, you know, come at me if I'm wrong. I'll be thrilled if I'm wrong. <laughs> I the the main reason I'm picking the Red Sox is because not, nothing's going to happen if I'm wrong. I'm not going to get arrested, so I might as well pick the Red Sox. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I I think the real reason is um, I feel uncomfortable with how feel how good I feel about the rotation. Um, I just feel fairly confident with all of their starters. Chris Sale might be the guy that I'm most worried about, which is strange to think about but i just that's a weird feeling for me and it's not something i'm used to with the red sox and i that's just such obviously such an advantage in the playoffs um so i think they can get good stars from everybody and i mean that's that's a recipe for success so i mean i think obviously the series could go either way but um i think there is a real path for the red sox making it and um i hope i hope we see it what about um mvps x factors for the series, uh, Keaton. MVPs. Um, I don't know. Hunter Renfro. <laughs> um, X Factors. Uh, so there's three. One of them is kind of a cop out. <laughs> the the cop out being consistency as an X Factor because uh, really at all levels of the game, defensively, offensively, starting pitching relief pitching it's inconsistency that's made this season feel like a slog at times but it's also like no does playoffs like you got to show up so that that piece is kind of cop out chris sale i think is an x factor because you kind of started to allude it there that you don't feel uh 
you know, as sure in sale as you typically are, which feels weird. But I get it. You know, his last outing, uh, one only went two and two thirds innings. All seven outs were strikeouts, but couldn't get any deeper in the game. Ran into some some trouble, uh, and, and leading to him getting yanked early. Uh, you would have liked a better taste in your mouth heading into the the playoffs um, and your confidence in Sale. Uh, I think it, it's, it's Chris Sale in the playoffs, so I feel like he's going to kind of put that behind him and be a lot stronger. But I still think that that makes him an X factor because since he's come back from Tommy John, most of his opponents haven't been that great. And there has been times where, like against a poor offense like Washington, where he's kind of struggled to get deep into the game, uh, which I'm hoping is just kind of a symptom of coming back from Tommy John and, and having all that time off and not just being quite as sharp. But now it's the playoffs. It's against Tampa. It's the best team in, in the AL. So I think he, he's a huge X factor, particularly if it goes five like I'm predicting and he's going twice. That's huge for him. So, And then the other one is the bottom of the order. So as fun as the Red Sox offense was last night against the Yankees, bottom of the order went one for 11 and struck out five times. And we've seen that the bottom of the order become just an absolute pit for this offense and really kill any hopes of a rally or chances of you know getting guys in. It's one of the biggest reasons why they're constantly stranding guys on base and not being able to finally like, connect enough hits together. Uh, to, to get the runs and against a uh, pitching staff like Tampa, like we've outlined somebody at the bottom of the lineup has got to have a good game to, to push them over the line and get runs across the plate. So I think that's a pretty big X factor for me. Yeah. Those are, those are all make sense. What about you, Bob? Arroyo's going to get a big hit somewhere though. You have to think, um, but that <laughs> until you saw a lineup card come out, kind of forgot about oh who's missing oh the the second baseman that's played every day for the last <laughs> month that we can't use anymore it just yeah. seems a little Poor outrageous to me just got outrated off the roster today right oh <laughs> so in terms of x-factors i think jd and sale are at the top of the list what are you getting from sale i i'm trying not to think of the one sale game at the end I'm trying to look at it as a whole if i it looked at Nate Evaldi's last game against the Yankees and not the five great starts he had against them earlier in the season um, than I would have predicted last night poorly. So I think you're going to get a good sale, but I don't know. And are we going to see JD at all? Are we going to see him as a pinch hitter for a couple games? Those are one and two for me. Um, and Dahlbeck's three. Um, just if they can, if he can get a big hit against a lefty in game one and get him going a little bit, I think that's, if JD's out, that is a na- uh, name that we need to to have going. Um, MVP, I will go with Devers. Um, I'm going to go with Devers, MVP too. It's the easy choice, and usually the easy choice is the right one. Um, <laughs> X-Factor, I- I'm going Pavetta. I think he's I- – I said I was confident in the starters, and I am, but I think there's going to be at least one um, game where – the start is not going to give you any length and you're going to need somebody to come in say for the third inning and get you through the sixth or something like that um and i think pavetta will be the guy to have to do that and i think he'll come through and then i think he'll have at least one other relief appearance and um i just think he's going to be a very important factor for at least a couple of these games and um as much as i've kind of talked him up on the show he's still Nick Pavetta and you never really know what's going to happen with him. So I think he could be, um, he could be a big swing here. Um, 
All right, let's do a couple of listener questions and then and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Hendrick uh, asks if he if I the only one whose emotional investment has actually dropped after last night and seems so much like playing with house money that I'm more curious than hyped about the ALDS. Uh, Keaton, what do you think about that one? Um, I, I think directionally, I kind of get where this is going in that in the preseason, a lot of us didn't have these expectations, but I think you're allowed to change your expectations given recent results and the fact that this team is here in the ALDS, they've earned it. So I, I would, I would be pretty darn excited, uh, even if it seems like they arrived a year ahead of schedule, uh, given how the, the Red Sox were, were handling their roster and the expectations coming into the season. Um, you know, they, they're here for a reason. They, they deserve to be here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. Even, even though I just predicted that they won't advance beyond this, I'm still hyped for this series. Yeah, I, I don't. I think if the question is, you know, are you going to be disappointed in the team if they lose in the ALDS? No, of course not. I think this was a right. success before yep. last night. Um, but, yeah, I think you're probably in the minority there. I After last night, was watching more highlights of that game than I have in anything in a long time, and I'm not ready for... Uh, winter sports yet so i'm very hyped about this series i think it's going to be fascinating on a lot of levels i'm with you i I agree about the disappointment thing too although i agree with it in theory although i know if they do lose um i'm going to be extremely disappointed in the team in the moment it will it will pass much more quickly than it would with a team with more expectations for sure but um i know if it happens sorry if it happens or if it would have happened against the White Sox or Astros instead of the Rays, would you feel as bad? Uh, No, the Rays would make me feel worse, honestly, than the Yankees. Um, I I truly, truly despise the Rays. So, uh, Just in general, I think I would have been more (laughs) upset about that specific game uh, last night just because, you know, one game and all that. But, um, yeah, yeah, I I truly don't like the, the Rays. Uh, let's see here. A great big lark uh, wants to know. Uh, seeing the bullpen pulled together last night and the offense come up with clutch hits and walks against good pitchers, am I crazy to think this Red Sox team possibly has a 50-50 chance to beat the Rays, uh, Bob? Yeah, no, I, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think I'm, uh, both of us thinking, uh, or all of us, think the series is going five, right? And two of us pick one team and one pick the other. So that's as close as 50-50 as you can get. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I think that it's – I wouldn't quite call it a coin flip. I'm going like 45-55 in the wrong direction, but very close. Yeah, I don't I, think you're crazy at all. I mean, I don't know you. You might be crazy, but on this specific <laughs> point, I think it's I think it's fair enough. Um. All right, I think that's I think that's gonna do it for this one. Uh, we've been going for about an hour, and I think that is good. Uh, like I said, we're gonna try and do some stuff um, at least after every game, a little short podcast or something. So uh, definitely stay tuned to this channel. And if you liked what you heard and you are not yet subscribed, please do subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Uh, Keaton is at the Spoken Keats, and Bob is at Bob Osgood fifteen. And uh, you can find all of our writing at OverTheMonster.com. And uh, we will be with you shortly.